My name is Daniel Rogers, and I'm excited to share with you today what God has put on my heart. Thank you, J.D. I was waiting for that. But this week, we're going to continue in the Greater Than Me series, which Pastor Justin started last week. And he talked about how God's plans are bigger than us and how we shouldn't ask what God's plan is for me, but how we should figure into the broader picture of what God's wanting to do outside of me. And actually, this series comes from Philippians 2, 3, which says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And it's exciting today because we're actually going to be talking about how others are greater than me. But before we get started, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we just come... Today, excited to hear the words you have for us. Let all that is said, sung, and prayed be honoring to you and speak to our spirits. Let it change us in a way that we're no longer the same. And let us be encouraged to want what you want and become who you want us to be. Just let everything today be for your glory. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm sure everybody in here has a favorite pastime. What you like to do outside of work. Yeah, for fun. Now, me, I am a huge soccer fan. In fact, my favorite team is playing right now, Liverpool. Uh, somebody wants to check the score and let me know after. That would be great. But I love soccer. I love watching the English Premier League. I actually coach high school soccer. Um, I just love everything about it. I also consider myself an amateur pit master. She laughs. I'm hoping it's good. I consider myself an amateur pit master. I love getting out on the deck, firing up the smoker, firing up the grill, getting into that kind of stuff. And I also consider myself, yes, I love my church, you all. We are carnivores here. Uh, but I also consider myself a restaurant aficionado. I love going out to eat. And I especially love going to non-chain places. I also like to socialize, so to maintain this figure, and to socialize, we go out to eat quite often, and um, does anyone here, you have that favorite restaurant you love to go to, and on top of that, you have that favorite person that works there, the, the one you actually love. Well, one of my favorite restaurants is in downtown Frankfurt, and it's real close to, to my house, so we go fairly often. And usually when we go in, well, let me back up a little bit. Last night, for research purposes, <laughs> Mayland and, and I went and had dinner there. It's a bit bourbon on Main, downtown Frankfurt. So we went and had dinner there to prepare for today's service. And, um, but usually when we walk in, we're, we're greeted by a guy named Gabe or this guy named Big Mo. And I like to think that over the last couple years of going there, we've kind of developed a friendship. Uh, last night when we walked in, Big Mo saw me across the restaurant. He pointed at me, and I was like, yeah, what's up, Big Mo? And we ended up having Gabe as our server. And, you know, they'll ask questions. It, it, it's, it's genuine when they, when they talk to us. In fact, last night, I'm almost afraid to admit this, but he looked at me, and I was like, so now do you have, he goes, the wings are back. If you saw my picture on Facebook or Instagram, it was there. Uh, garlic honey cilantro wings 
they are blessed. I think that's what manna tasted like, actually. So, but, you know, they know what I like. They'll, they'll make suggestions to me. They'll be like, no, nah, boss, you don't want to try that. Or, yeah, get it. Get it. That's good. And it's not a superficial thing that, that we have. They're genuine in what they do. And I greatly appreciate people that are like that because I actually come from a long line of waitresses. Now, if you head up I-75 North, get off at exit 144, there's a small town called Corinth. Now, to this day, there are still no stoplights. There's a dollar general family dollar, so you know that place is hopping. That's, all, that's the only thing there. But there are a handful of uh, truck stops and restaurants, not like the, the chain ones that you see most of the time you, you get off the interstate. But there was this one little greasy spoon there named Freeway. And many of the Rogers women worked there. And not just for a little period of time. Some of them worked there for, for quite a while. And they loved their job. They enjoyed what they did. They loved getting to see some of the same people every day. And it didn't bother them just to fix somebody a coffee or get grumpy old man Johnson, his usual, or just meet some people that were just coming in off the interstate looking for something to eat. What they did is they took their job serious. They wanted those people to feel like they mattered. So they made sure that their interaction with them went a little deeper than, you know, what can I get you or what do you have? Like I said, they wanted those people to make, make them feel like they mattered. And in today's society, the term server has kind of gotten a negative connotation to it. Like it's a job that's lower than other jobs or something like that. And that's, to me, that's just not true. If you look up the definition of server or servant in the dictionary, it says it's a person who performs duties for others or it's a devoted and helpful follower or supporter. So not only in society has the term serving or servant lost some of its meaning, it kind of has in the church as well. We throw the word serve around all the time. Like, you know, I'm going to serve God, or I'm going to serve in church, or I'm going to serve in the community. You know, we throw it around so much, but if you serve, that makes you a servant. We hear a lot of times about serving, but does anybody really want to be known as a servant? Well, this morning, we're going to take a look at a time when Jesus took the opportunity to serve. We're going to be in John 13, but to kind of set the stage for what's been happening is in John 12 is when Jesus rides in on the donkey, and they know the king has come in. And later in John 12, he actually predicts his death. So this is what's happened leading up to John 13, and we're going to start with verse 1. And it says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. We're going to stop right there. So why is the Passover mentioned right here? Well, the Passover was a huge deal at this time. This is when the, uh, the Jewish people would celebrate the angel of death passing over their house which uh, led to them, their exodus from Egypt and ultimately getting to the promised land. So this was huge for them to celebrate. 
And if you look back in history, this also would have been the day of preparation, which was the day that uh, they would prepare everything for the next day, which was the Sabbath or the Sabbat or, or their day of rest. So here Jesus is. He's eating dinner with his disciples. He knows everything that's about to go down. He knows he's getting close to death. He knows what's coming up. But let's pick up in verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So here, right in the middle of dinner, Jesus gets up. He takes off his outer garment. I think, I'd like to think he did it like Superman, kind of like this. You know, just, just stands up, makes, makes, makes it look important what he's doing. He takes that off. He wraps a towel around his feet, and he fills a basin of water, and he's going to wash all the disciples' feet. And why did he remove that outer garment? Because he knew he was about to get dirty. And it was custom in that time, whenever you had someone over to your house, uh, you would have their feet washed. Now, there wasn't a foot washing station or a mud room or anything like that. So someone was appointed to be the foot washer. Now, this was typically the job of the lowest servant or the new guy. Has anybody here ever been new guy at work? Yeah, yeah, we get the crappy jobs when that happens. And another interesting thing about this meal is it was more of an intimate gathering. There wasn't a host, so there wouldn't have been a, uh, a servant that was appointed to wash their feet. So Jesus took it upon himself to do it. So Jesus washes all the disciples' feet, and based on the text, he comes to Peter last. And is this important? I like to think that it is because Peter was kind of Jesus' number two man. You know, he was always there with him, kind of right beside him. But also, Peter was the most wishy-washy of the disciples. You know, he would be all in following Jesus one minute and then just doubting what was happening the next. So, you know, he, he gets to Peter, and Peter tells Jesus, there is no way you are going to wash my feet. Now, I would have been exactly like Peter. Not because Jesus was God, or the Son of God, or my King, because feet freak me out. <laughs> I am so weirded out by feet, and I know Pastor Justin has talked about taking part in foot washing services and stuff like that. Pastor Justin, I'm perfectly fine with Hope Totes. There he is. <laughs> so, Jesus tells Peter, unless you let me wash your feet, I'll have nothing to do with you. So in verse 12, it says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So this act of humility and serving shows us that Jesus was the ultimate servant. Now, there's many instances in the Bible of Jesus serving others. Anytime he healed the sick or performed a miracle or restored the reputation of someone like like the woman at the well, he was being a servant. And here in this passage, passage, he knew that he was about to endure the cross, yet he still had the mind of a servant. Jesus was king, yet he chose to be a, a servant. So the disciples had followed Jesus around everywhere, and they had seen all the things he had done and the miracles he had performed. So they knew that he was the Son of God. And here is this man humbling himself to wash their feet. Their nasty, dirty, muddy, Chaco, Birkenstock, tan-lined, funky feet. He's doing this, and... He wasn't doing this to humble brag or anything like that or, you know, to put a selfie on Instagram. Hey, hashtag serving, you know, hashtag washing feet. No, he was doing this because he had the desire to do something for someone else. In 1981, Pope John Paul II had an assassination attempt on his life. Uh, The would-be assassin was unsuccessful, but he was able to get four bullets uh, into the Pope. The Pope survived, and the man was arrested. Well, the Pope went and visited this man in prison and became his friend. And the Pope actually had him pardoned from prison. And before this man died, the Pope led him to the Lord. (coughs) You know, I had never really thought about this, but as I was preparing... Uh, For the message, I realized it said that Jesus washed all of the disciples' feet. That includes Judas, the one who sold him out, the one who betrayed him. I mean, could you imagine doing something for someone you don't like? Now try doing something for a best friend that has betrayed you. And on top of that, you're doing something so low as to wash his nasty feet. Honestly, I don't know if I could have done it. But by washing Judas' feet, Jesus shows us that we can't decide who we serve based on whether we think they deserve it or not. That's not our call. All we have to do is be obedient and serve whoever God tells us to. You know, in John 13, he tells us the example that we're to follow, which brings us to our second point. We serve by serving others. We looked at the definition of being a server or a servant earlier, and you're only serving if you're doing something for someone else. Now, when I decided to get serious uh, about being a Christian, and it wasn't just checking off a, a box or something that I was doing, you know, on Sundays, but I realized that it was going to be a change in lifestyle and wanting to do stuff for other people. One of the first scriptures I memorized was 1 Peter 4.10, which says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. This verse spoke to me deep. 
This verse let me know that I have a purpose. And let's break this down real quick. Uh, The first part of it says, each of you. It didn't say some of you or a few of you. It says each of you. That includes all of us. That includes me. That includes you. And the second part of it, it says, use whatever gift you have received. It doesn't say if you got a gift or you might get a gift. It says the gift you received. So that says each of us will receive a gift that we're supposed to use. I have a gift, and I'm going to use it. And if you look even further into this verse, uh, the Greek word that is used here for serve is diakonos. Any Greek scholars? Okay, we're sticking with diakonos, though. Okay? Uh, In the Greek, diakonos means ministry. So whenever Jesus used this word, he was inspiring his servants to minister to someone else. So guess what that means? That means that if you are serving somebody, you are a minister. That doesn't just pertain to pastors or preachers or people like that. That that pertains to all of us. We are all servant ministers. And, you know, sometimes it's funny because uh, right after I got serious and started serving in the church, when I would talk to people I went to school with or that I used to run around with, they, they seemed taken aback at how active I was in the church. Has that happened to anybody else? They noticed that change. And, you know, when I, when I would talk to them about what, what all I was doing, they'd be like, oh, you're a minister now. I'm like, no, I'm not a minister because to me, a minister was a guy that was in a suit and a tie, some real stuffy, and talked like this, ate nothing but casseroles on Sundays. You know, that's, I, was, I was not a minister. And when I would go to some parties and, and hang out with some people, they would remind me of who I was and how much fun I was missing out on. And Peter actually talks about this a little earlier in 1 Peter 4. Let's take a look. It says, Therefore... Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. Let's let's take a little closer look at verse 2, where it says, Those who are now going to suffer with Christ, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. That made me realize that a change had taken place in me. I wasn't the guy who used to just worry about himself and worry about my selfish desires, but I was going to worry about other people. So what's God's will for us? It's to serve. We're all called to be servant ministers. And another reason to serve is it's actually good for us. When we read earlier in John 13, verse 17, it says, Now that you do these things, You will be blessed if you do them. So as I looked at this a little further, this isn't 
a requirement that we do this. It's not a commandment that we do this. That is actually a promise. I want to be blessed. Don't you? I mean, but serving, we also get other things from it. Uh, One thing is we can discover and develop our gifts. Uh, Serving will increase your faith. Another thing is we can experience God in different ways. And frankly, it feels good to do something for somebody else. You know, we've seen all the stories coming in uh, from how we're serving out in the community. It makes you feel good. It made me feel good when I did it. So we've established now that we're all supposed to serve. So now we need to ask ourselves, what can I do? So we know that Jesus was the ultimate servant. And we know that we are all called to serve others. Now you just have to figure out, what can I do? You know, there are many different ways you can serve. Uh, One source said that there are over 75 different jobs that you can do in the church. 75 different ways just to serve in here. But rather than list a bunch of things that you can do, I'm going to challenge you to find out what you're supposed to do. Not just in the church, but outside of it as well. You know, if you want to find out how God wants you to serve, the first thing you need to do is pray. Pray about it. Ask God. And I guarantee he will reveal something to you. You know, most of the time it seems like God will use our strengths to serve. You know, some people are super organized. So, you know, you can be on a financial team. Uh, Some people are, are real tidy. So you can clean. You know, some people are very outgoing. We'd love to have you on the host team. Some people are, have the gift of, of being a great musician. God can use that in a way to serve. You know, there's so many things that you can do. The list goes on and on. But sometimes God might have something different in store for you. Now, years ago, Amy and I were the parents to three kids ages 0 to 10. Not the uh, maturing, almost empty nesters that you see today. And, and at this time, Amy had just decided to go back to work part-time. Uh, I worked full-time in construction. I coached both of my girls' soccer teams. We were both really active in the church. I was uh, the youth leader. Amy helped serve with the finances. We helped clean the church. I was also on the worship team. And I was part of a youth. I was not youth, but... I was part of a traveling youth worship band. Amy had started to sell Pampered Chef, so she was doing Pampered Chef parties. Uh, We also had two cats. Rest in peace, BT Tink. Love you. All right. (laughs) Um, Our life was absolutely nuts. It was crazy. On the run all the time. And kind of our family motto was, a home should look lived in. Does anybody else use that cop-out to not have people over? I see some hands going up. So anyway, we, we were talking about spiritual gifts, and, and we began to pray about it. And um, we wanted new gifts, and we wanted new opportunities to use these gifts. So, so we're praying about it. And I just knew that I was going to get word of knowledge uh, or prophecy. Or the gift of miracles or healing. 
Something cool like that, you know. But God ended up giving us the, uh, the gift of hospitality. Yay. <laughs> we had to start having people over to the house. How exciting. <laughs> I actually became a domestic goddess during this time. We, but we embraced uh, what God uh, was, was doing and how he was going to stretch us and get us out of our comfort zones to actually today, it doesn't bother us to have people over and we'll host a small group. So God sometimes will use you in a new way, an uncomfortable way. But even after praying, if you're still unclear about how God wants to use you, there's another way that uh, you can find out. Do you remember the core series uh, we did a little while back where Pastor uh, Justin and Pastor Jeremy talked about the distinctives of the Vineyard USA movement of churches. Well, this actually falls into one of those, which is equipping the saints. And that distinctive says, we will continually invest ourselves in training and equipping God's people to do what Jesus did, equipping the saints for ministry. Now, this actually comes from Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, which says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. It says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do works of service and build up the church, the body of Christ. So it says there that it's the responsibility of the leaders to help equip and build up the church. So if you have any questions about what you should do or you feel God is calling you in a way, in a way and you're unsure what it is or how to use that gift, find Pastor Justin, find Jeremy, myself, Sherry, Doug, somebody. We want to get you plugged in. And more importantly than that, we want to serve with you. We can help you figure that out. Your first stop is Kids Church. That is, I'm pretty sure that that's in the Bible somewhere, back in the back where all the little books are, the ones that you thumb through. I think it says that back in there. But, but no, seriously, that is one way to serve. Now, you don't have to be a teacher or a leader. You could just go hang out in kids' church, play with the kids. And anybody that has done it, I'm sure, can attest to the fact that it is awesome to see a kid get the message. And then when they come running upstairs, you tell their mom and dad what they learned about or show them the craft that they did. That's fulfilling when you see that. That's one way you can do it. That's one way you can become a servant, which now has a positive meaning, and be the one that God has called you to be. Now, let's take a look at the screens. Grace, family, and mission. Have you seen this before? Well, if you haven't, these are, these are mission statements. This is our, the core values of Capital Vineyard. And one of those is mission. And we definitely want to serve inside the church, but more importantly, we want to serve outside of it. And by serving outside of it, hopefully somebody's going to catch on, and God is going to speak to them. They're going to start coming to church, and then they're going to want to be used by God and become a servant, and then they're going to go out. 
And then we get this cycle going. We get this cycle of servant ministers going in this church. You know, Pastor Justin made it clear in the beginning that he wants us to be a church that serves. He wants us to be known as a church in our community as one that is out there making a difference and showing God's love in practical ways. Now, statistics tell us that in a church, roughly 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Now, here at Capital Vineyard, we're well over 40%. 40% of the average attendance serves in the church some way. So guess what? We're already above average. This is a serving church. And I don't share this to offend anybody or guilt anybody into serving, but there are opportunities for you to serve. But more importantly, we want to serve with you, not just in here, but outside of the church. Now, there are challenges uh, to being a servant. We have to give up our preferences, our comforts, our stability, and mostly we have to give up our time. And sometimes we don't want to serve because we feel like we're not getting that return on investment. Or we don't get that instant gratification that we're hoping to get when we serve. But we talked about it earlier. We don't choose who we serve. God may have you serve somebody that you don't want to. We don't serve just to serve or decide who we serve. We serve to be obedient. And many times serving can be dirty. God will ask us to do things that we don't want to do. And on top of that, he'll ask us to do stuff for people that we don't want to. But the positives of serving greatly outweigh the negative. But more important than that, serving is what Jesus did. That's what Jesus tells us to do. So that's what we need to do. Let us pray. Father, we just come today and we're just so thankful that you sent your son Jesus not only to die for us, but to set the example on how we are to serve. Father, we're so thankful that you give us gifts and that you will give us the opportunities to use them. Lord, I thank you for this church so that when we go out, we don't have to do it alone. We have each other. And Lord, I just pray that you will let this church be the change that our community needs to see. In Jesus' name, amen. We're getting ready to head back into a time of worship. And during these next few songs, there are going to be people in the back of the room that want to pray with you. They're back there to serve. They're using the gifts that God gave them. So why don't you allow them to use that gift to serve you today? Whether you need prayer for anything. If you've got sickness. 
if you're having a tough time. They want to pray with you. If you feel God is tugging at you today and you feel like he is calling you to serve in some way, go back. We want to pray with you. So today, all I ask is that you search yourself and see how God wants you to be the servant minister that he's called you to be. Let's continue in worship. Hey, this is Pastor Justin from Capital Vineyard Community Church in Frankfort, Kentucky. Thanks for listening to our weekly message. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit us at capitalvineyard.org or on social media at at Cap Vineyard. Thanks for listening and God bless.